Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. The premise of this show is, as we are living our lives, very rarely do we realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we look back and we say, thank God that happened because it ended up being a pivotal moment. In today's episode, we have Kirsten Jordan. Kirsten is a successful real estate agent and TV show host on Million Dollar Listing, and she's crushing it at home, raising a family and being a phenomenal wife. I hope you enjoy her pivotal moments on how she's got to her spot today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I am honored to have Kirsten Jordan with me. She has an absolutely fascinating story, and you're going to hear a lot of the pivotal moments that have led her to where she's at, but she is an absolute trailblazer in her industry, and it's been fascinating to see how she's gotten there, and I'm really excited to highlight her real estate ventures and what she's doing today. So Kirsten, thanks so much for being on. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. You betcha. So a lot of people that have success in a career oftentimes have a competitive background. You got to enjoy a competitive uh, walking career. So talk a little bit about that and being a state champion there. Well, um, what's, what's really interesting about having been in, in, you know, being a competitive race walker at high school yeah. is that it was something that I fell into. I wasn't actually expecting to get into the race walk. It wasn't something I was particularly passionate about either in the beginning. Yeah. It was yeah. just something that, you know, I, I started doing track and field because it was one of those kinds of things that you have to do, you know, I, you do something in high school. I feel like you either got to be, you know, you're doing theater, you're doing a sport, you got to find some way to keep yourself busy. And so what I did was I, I did, you know, I, I, I got into the race walk and I, it was because I'd gotten into track and field and I turned out to be really good right from the beginning. I was really yeah. lucky. It was the kind of thing where I didn't know I was going to be good. And then I did my first race and I did very well in my first race. And so what happened from there was that I just was like, wow, this is beginner's luck. What a great feeling. And so then I started getting more competitive about it. And, and it was amazing because I really was pretty good. Like I had good form. There was just something about it that just, I got lucky. And so then I trained really hard for a couple of years and my senior year, I was the national champion um, and the state champion in the in the girls mile race walk. <laughs> yes. So talk a little bit about the progression of that for you. I know you said, Hey, right off the bat, I had some success. So that probably gave you confidence and yeah. maybe even extra motivation to try harder at it, but to be a state champion and to be a national champion, I mean, that is a different level of preparation. So talk yes. a little bit about that for you and what it took to get to that level of uh, success. Well, what, what, what happened to me, what happened to me when I was training was I realized that I needed to kind of train more than other people to kind of get to the same, to the higher level. Yeah. And I would say that probably is the same for me with everything. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, there are a lot of agents out there that maybe, you know, have no problem, like being out and about all day and then not ever going to the office and like they just kind of wing it and it works for them and I'm not that person like I need to be in the office I need to be in front of the computer and then I can be out with people and then I'm back in the office and I'm very focused on focused you mm -hmm. know and the same thing was with me and the race walk was I would train I would go train with my coach and then I would come home I would have dinner and then like sometimes I would like train more you know in the evening like I would do like an extra run or I would do like an extra you know I would do extra stair climber or something else that helped with like the cardio aspect of things yeah. um which then I think helped me 
in general with training. And then I think it helped me lean as well, just because that's just how my body type is. I probably need more activity than most people. Um, and, and it works for me. Absolutely. So with a competitive nature, did you end up going to college to do a uh, race walking? So the thing with the race walk is that yeah. the race walk in, in high school is a mile race walk. Yeah. The next level is not college. It is the Olympics or it's like competitive. It's competitive race walking. That's yeah. a lot lo longer distances. And it didn't make sense for me to pursue that. It was not, it wasn't like, oh, you go to acting school and then you try to get in productions and there's a clear, you know, trajectory or like basketball yeah. to, to, you know, or baseball, any of those, you know, easy not easy sports, sports right, where you yeah. go to college and you can yes. do them in college. This was not a sport that you could do in college. This was a sport that was you're doing it and you're either going to the Olympics for the ultra marathon or the marathon, or, you know, you should go find something else, some other way to stay in shape. Understood. So while you're in college, though, you do take a trip overseas and do a little study abroad. So talk a little bit about that and that experience for you. I was really fortunate that I was able to study abroad in, in, in Italy in my junior year of, of college. And when I went to, I lived in Rome and I totally fell in love with Italy. I love Italy. I, it, to me, there's something about it that every time I go there, it's just like, it's so special for me. And when I was living there, I decided to stay for an extra couple of months because I was having such a good time. I had like met a nice Italian guy from um, Sorrento. Just, you know, like all those really smart American things that we do. And, <laughs> and, then, and then I stayed there for a couple extra months. He dumped me pretty quickly. And I got those couple of months, I got to learn Italian and hang out by myself walking the streets of Rome, which was amazing. And yeah. I had a really, really positive experience there. Really, really positive experience. Now, a question that I would have for you is that's an experience that really puts you outside of your comfort zone, I would imagine, right? Uh, you don't really know oh, yeah. anyone. You're not in your you know, foreign language or your natural language. So talk a little bit about being outside of your comfort zone and you know, where growth happens in that regard. Well, what I did, what I did do is after I had that junior year in, in college, I also, I went and I lived in Chicago for a year. And then after that, I moved to Italy for another two years and I lived there. So I really was outside my comfort zone there because I, it wasn't just like part of a school program. It was really like on my own. Yeah. I, know, I didn't know anybody. And so I do thrive in those kinds of situations where I don't know anybody. I have to figure it out myself. I, I really like being alone. Yeah. Um, even as much as I love being with people, I also really, really love alone time and like self-reflection time. Mm. So it was, it was a huge time of self-reflection for me. And then, and kind of how that translates to what I'm doing right now is it is so important for me to put myself out there and me being in front of people, putting myself out there all the time is, is just like really a really, really important part of my business and important part of the personal brand that I am creating right now. Absolutely. So as your time in Italy is coming to an end, you're coming back to the States and somewhere along the way, something happens and the idea of real estate becomes a career opportunity for you. So talk yeah. a little bit about how that gets introduced to your life. So I what, had come back from Italy and I was selling, I was selling licenses for designs for greeting cards and wrapping paper. When I was living in, um, when I was living in Milan and outside of Milan, I was living in a little town called Bergamo. And the reason I, I had gotten hired for this job was because I had gotten to a point where my Italian was really good. And I spoke Italian well enough that it was, it was for them. They thought, listen, 
we need somebody who can just talk to people in Italian and English. We can, we need people who speak English to the people we're selling to. And we yes. want her to speak Italian to us because we don't speak English. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I got thrown into this job. I was 23 or 24 and, you know, it was basically, you know, uh, a really crazy thing to get thrown into something where I thought, wow, as much as this is like really, first of all, you know, Italians, <laughs> let's say when you're young, Italians don't pay well, period. And yeah. it's, it's, it's not, you know, there was no commission structure. It was just, just a basic, you know, paid position of sales with no true incentives. And I, what I learned from it was that I really liked the sales aspect of things. Hmm. And that I didn't like the not making money aspect of it. And <laughs> yeah. I thought if I can go into sales and I can make real money, then that would be super, super fun. And so that's how I ended up getting into sales. Cause I moved back to the U S and my parents said, Hey, why don't you get into sales for real? And my stepfather was the one who said, why don't you just get into real estate, get into a big ticket item, something that we're, that's expensive, that when you sell these larger things, you get a big payout. Yeah. And, and so that's how I ended up. So I ended up in real estate. Absolutely. Now there are a lot of different companies that do real estate brokering. How did you decide on Douglas Elliman? Well, I, Started at Douglas Elliman. So my first eight years in the business were at Douglas Elliman. Yes. And what happened with, you know, being at Douglas Elliman is that I was super happy. I, I worked on one team and then I ended up working for a top agent for five years as an assistant. She's super, super talented. I learned a ton from her. And I just was really happy at Douglas Elliman. When I made the change, I left, I was at Compass for four years. I, um, it was because of the team that I worked for. They're great people. I learned a lot and they were, they were, you know, it was, a, it was, it was, a, I needed to make a change at the time because I had yeah. been working for the same woman for at that time. It was almost eight years. We'd been working together and it was, I wasn't growing, needed a change, went to Compass, had got that change and I was cast on million dollar listing while I was at Compass. And, wow. um, and it just made the most sense to make sure that I was going to be able to build my brand in a place that was going to be supportive of my brand. And that ended up being Douglas Elliman. They've done, they've been incredibly supportive, incredibly generous, incredibly, you know, they've backed me 100% of the way and, um, and see something in me that other firms, frankly, you know, didn't value as much. And so it made it absolutely the right place for me to be. Absolutely. So getting started in any type of commission-based job is hard. Uh, getting started right. in real estate is is really hard. So talk about the early days of that. And you know, if somebody's listening, maybe not they're in real estate, but maybe they're in a different you know set, space of life. They're starting something new. What's encouragement to you know keep going through the hard times? Because I'm sure there's days where you're like, you know what, this just is it worth it, right? Maybe there's there's a million other things I could go do, but you you forge through it. So talk a little bit about that in the early phases for you. The, well, I had a lot of ups and downs in real estate because <laughs> I had, you know, I have three kids. I got into the industry before I had children, before I was married, before I met my husband. And, you know, I've been through huge different life phases in this industry. Yeah. And what I've learned is that if you truly build on what you've learned and you grow, that it is definitely worth it to stick it out because it's been very, it's been worth it for me. I mean, I had moments where I thought I'm spending more money in childcare than I am getting paid in this business. Yeah. Um, you know, because first of all, it's a fortune to live in New York city. 
and um, and to have good childcare is, is is not cheap. But also that you know it's really easy as a woman to think like, okay, well if I'm if I'm not making if I didn't make enough this year to cover my nanny, then why am I going mm. to work? Yeah. Um, and the truth is, is you know clearly you're investing in yourself for your future. And there's going to be a point when your kids aren't around anymore, and they're going to be you know off to school, and you're going to need to figure out what you want to do with your days. And for me, you know, I, I probably am a little bit more extreme because I'm working crazy hours all the time. But at least, you know, I feel like it's something that I was able to hold on to, and that it's it's served me really, really well. And I have, I still feel like I get to see my kids, my family. And, and it works. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another transition that can be really hard, though, I know you'd said, hey, I was on a team, and then you started running your own team, um, right? And that there's just a different dynamic there. So talk about what it was that, you know, really gave you the confidence and the extra nudge to be like, yes, I want to, you know, go out and do that for myself, opposed to being, you know, on somebody's team, I want to be running a team. Um, well, I, when I started my team, I did not plan on having a big team right away. I wanted, <laughs> Got it. To okay. have, I wanted to have a really small team. I wanted to have like a great ops person. I wanted a showing agent, maybe another showing agent. That was it. Um, and then I had someone come to me that I'd known for a very long time. who was interested in joining the team and she has a specialization in new development. And I would say it was from her you know, coming in and wanting to go after these bigger projects that it made me decide to start thinking bigger. Um, and, and I think that was, you know, I think that's, that's probably the reason I ended up, you know, I ended up having a larger team. And now we are looking to hire, you know, a couple more agents, of course, because as you start to do more, you realize, you know, where we need to be transaction volume wise to then justify other operational moves as far as hires and as far as infrastructure. And so it is something that is a very slippery slope of um, expansion, I would say. Yes, absolutely. Now, I, I want to highlight what you just said there and maybe have you even dig in on that a little bit more. Sometimes we have a goal and it takes, uh, you know, someone we really trust or a mentor in our life to really open our eyes to maybe what's possible, right? Maybe that's a good way of saying it. You know, what I, I'm only seeing here, but there's further to go. So talk about that, you know, that influence in your life. You know, I mean, that example was, all right, there's bigger opportunities. Let's think that. And I mean, gosh, today you you're doing really big opportunities. So, you know, just talk a little bit about having someone see that for you, maybe before you even see it first. Um, I mean, I have, I'm lucky. I, I mean, I've, I've been just very fortunate from the perspective of the people I've attracted that I have attracted some people who've really, really pushed me to think bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of different people um, in my life, everything. I mean, just so many different people in my life that have pushed me to think bigger. So that's, that's been something that has been amazing. And I would say that what's really special and been really special about the million dollar listing path is seeing the other, you know, cast members and what they've done. And that gives you a lot, has given me a lot of motivation. Um, because I mean, if you see what they've done, it's really incredible. Um, and, and then, you know, there's also this other aspect of like, once you realize that it's almost easier to dream big and go after the big stuff and see a couple pieces of it happen here and there and see yourself on the path, then it is to say like, I'm going to stuck, be stuck here and just not grow and just like, you know, kind of muddle through it all as now that I've made some of these bigger 
moves and bigger jumps, yeah. it makes me all the more excited for the next steps because I see how much more, how do I even put it? Like how much more I could leverage myself so that I could, you know, have more agents working on the team that I think could be seeing growth for themselves. And there's so many different, you know, there's just a lot of different aspects that I could see for myself that I didn't see before because of the fact that I've seen some success, even in the short time period of creating a team and, and being on my own and, and all the stuff I'm building. Absolutely. Now, as you're saying that, uh, a thought come to mind, it came to mind, and that is uh, a mentor of mine explained this concept to me, he called it blissful dissatisfaction. And so you think about those two words, you wouldn't necessarily pair those together frequently, but you know, the idea is a lot of people will reach one of their first goals and they'll say, Hey, I hit it. And they'll just plateau there. And once again, there's nothing wrong with that, but that does happen. Right. Right. Other people are constantly trying to get to the next goal. And so they very rarely enjoy hitting that, that goal they set for themselves because they're just on to the next thing. So how for you, have you been able to balance that in your life? You know, because once again, you've hit probably a lot of your goals and yet you're still striving for more. And at the same token, you know, you reflect back and you say, holy cow, I've done a lot of like amazing things uh, up to this point in my career. I'm, I have, it's something I struggle with every single day. I mean, yeah. I, I really have so many things that I want to, to accomplish and I am looking so far in the future that it's very hard to appreciate today. Yeah. And the other part of it is that my role has changed so much from starting a team and putting the infrastructure in place that um, it's hard to even have the mental understanding of when success is because I used to feel like success meant that I was out all day showing apartments mm. and that is not necessarily my everyday anymore. Right. Yeah. That, that's probably a big change, right? When you go from kind of working in the business every busy, single day yeah, to yeah. working on it uh, a little or bit busy, more frequently. Busy equals money before. <laughs> now it's now it's about, you know, making the certain number of calls that need to be made, certain number of touch points, moving exclusives down from, you know, a lead to exclusive sign and listings going live to sales, to funneling buyers through to the agents, myself, talking to them on the phone, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Now, transitioning from Douglas, uh, after eight years there, I'm sure that's tough, right? You've built relationships, you, you know, yeah. people. Um, at the same token, you know, you're in an industry where, Hey, if there's an opportunity that I think is better for me, I, I probably owe it to myself to make that move. When you're making decisions, are you one that you kind of go with a gut instinct? Do you have a close group of friends that you ask for advice? How do you go about making those really pivotal uh, decisions in your life? I, I would say that with the decision, when I left Douglas Element to go to Compass, it was a gut decision that it was like time and I needed to change. Yeah. And there were so many, re there were other things that just made me decide it was time. Yeah. The move from the move back from Compass to Douglas Elliman um, was a lot of different factors together to make the decision of saying like, wow, there's so, there's, there were so many things that Douglas Elliman had that I was ready to go back to. Yeah. And then there was also a familiarity aspect of things of, knowing who I was going to be working with because there were a lot of people who were still here um, mm. from a management perspective. And so that was super exciting for me to be able to come back and see the same people. Yes, absolutely. So you hinted at it earlier as you're with Compass, you're starting to interview for you know the, the TV show Million Dollar Listing. So talk about how that came to be and you know what, 
if if you were right off the bat like yes i want to go for it or if it took nudging from people in your life to uh to pursue that opportunity um i was in a phase of my life where i knew i needed to make a change and i knew i need to take my business to the next level and i didn't know exactly how i was going to do it yeah but i had decided that it was time and what happened with the what happened from was i got this text that was basically just somebody who was you know trolling the internet and looking for real estate agents and just, you know, asked me if I would be interested in casting. Yeah. And for me, it was a really, it was a moment that I had, it. I really thought I had been discovered. Mm. I, I think this is like, it's funny. Like I, she clearly, I was not the only person that she was messaging by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. I can promise you that definitely not been discovered uh, <laughs> until I had been discovered when they decided to pick me. Yes. But I was, I, I took the message as like a message from like a higher power that it was like mm. my moment to dig myself out of being kind of in this loop of feeling like I wasn't making enough money or working hard enough or you know it just there were so many things that it like dug me out of yeah it made me feel like I could all of a sudden start that I had a reason I had a reason like I had something I was going to go for that I knew I would probably get because mm. I just thought that I probably would get it. Like that there was so many aspects that, that resonated with me that it, it, it's totally something I could make it have happen. I could make it happen. Yeah. So as you get on the show, you're joining a very uh, amazing group of other trailblazers, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, an established I, cast. Yeah, absolutely. And so talk a little bit about that. Being the, the new person to a show, I'm sure there's a little bit of... Uh, not necessarily intimidation, but like, dang, like you guys have been around a little while. So just talk about getting integrated into the show for you. Well, I mean, the person who was the hardest on me was Tyler by far. And, and, you know, even that was playful in itself. You know, yeah. we had our own, you know, difficulties with each other at the beginning, even though we are friends. Um, I would say that, you know, I, I, I didn't, I don't really, I've never really spent a lot of time worrying about what people think of me. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really go into it with that kind of perception. I went into it kind of like, they should be so excited. I'm here. I'm the first female. <laughs> yeah. I know all these guys. I've done deals with all of them. This is going to be great. And honestly, I didn't get any pushback from that. Yeah. They were, I mean, yeah, Tyler gave me, uh, you know, a bunch of grief, but like, even that, I think everybody saw as being relatively playful and um and still it was important it's important it's part of the part of television to have moments where that are tense moments i mean that's otherwise the show would just you know never survive yeah absolutely now i read an article where you said you know there was a uh, real housewives individual that gave you a little bit of confidence to join tv so talk a little bit about maybe some people oh, that you joined I mean, inspiration love- from yeah, I mean, listen, I love, there are some of the Real Housewives that I truly admire, like Leah McSweeney is a friend and she's so sweet and she's really like a super vulnerable, special person, actually. Yeah. Um, like I didn't, she actually had reached out to me and and I was so surprised by just like her warmness and kindness and how special she is. And um, and then I'm a big fan of Margaret Joseph. She's really special too. Um, I haven't met her in person, but we have a mutual friend. And, uh, you know, I mean, like it, it, it 
even when you look at um what was the skinny margarita one oh god forgetting her name um but anyway you know it's it's a personal brand these are women creating personal brands from television and there's something to be said for for how hard working they really are even if you can judge how they're doing it and what they're doing right i can promise you it's still really flipping hard work there's (laughs) nothing about this whole thing that doesn't involve being thoughtful being strategic you know knowing where to allocate resources, knowing where to allocate your time and yeah. making decisions about what you're putting yourself out there as yeah. and and then sticking to it and having consistency so you can build the brand. And so I respect all of them the same way I respect Ryan and Frederick for what they've created from the show. You know, I mean, these are all people who decided to create personal brands based on their television exposure and it's been incredible. Yes. Now, <clears throat> As you're growing your business, um, I think oftentimes people say, oh gosh, well, it must be so easy for you now at this phase of your business, right? You've been doing it for over a decade, you know, you're on TV, like I'm sure people are just calling you up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get sellers line up outside my office. They wait for me outside. It's crazy. It's like, it's like a Taylor Swift situation. (laughs) I don't even know what to do. I mean, you're only in New York. It's not like that's a competitive market. So talk a little bit about that. You know, hey, there's probably certain aspects of business that are maybe simpler now, but they're still not easy, right? So just talk about kind of the dynamic of how that changes, uh, you know, as you've been in the career, you know, this long now. The, what changes uh, about this phase of the career is that, first of all, I think I have changed the way I look at the, at the lead generation aspect of things, you know, now, I think from a long time, I've always been very, very focused on my own sphere. That's something I continue to focus on. I've made that shift as well. Um, but, but I would say that I think everybody thinks that television makes the star. And there's a lot of that to be true because television is a very powerful tool and it's a huge advertising platform. Right. However, there is a lot of hard work that goes into still making sure that you're bringing listings to market and that they're selling and that they're well marketed. Um, and there are plenty of people who either, well, you know, Frederick had a partner, Ryan works 24 seven and <laughs> is the hardest working person I've ever met in my entire life ever, actually ever. Yeah. And, you know, like for real. And then you have, you know, even Tracy basically has a partner and, you know, Josh Altman, his brothers, his partner, you know, if you look at even like the same way with the Sarkis brothers in Boston, very similar kind of business, you know, it's like, or, you know, or like Steve Gold has been a lone wolf and worked his butt off as well, but he has a, he has a team that he's been putting together for a long time. You know, yeah. all of this is like, you still have to knock on the doors. You still have to make the phone calls. You still have to put yourself out there and really is it's, it's the real deal. It's, it's, it's so real. And it's, and I think I thought, oh yeah, it's going to make my career. And the truth is it's made me work even harder than I did before to make it possible. What now are my goals that I never had as goals before that these, you know, these bigger numbers, these growing a real team, these, you know, crazy GCI, you know, big paychecks, growing real team members that are real agents that are, you know, super hustlers. You know, there's, there's all these things I didn't, I wasn't looking for before it was and 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 that comes from the television element as well because you know you see your name in lights you see these people around you in lights and you're like okay why am i going to do this if i'm not going to do it big yeah well and you know i think sometimes um 
you can be naturally internally motivated, but also having something that's public is additional motivation, right? Um, you know, you think that oh, yeah. kind of the idea of, hey, X, Y, and Z is going to be aired. My back's against the wall. There are certain metrics I need to meet. I mean, Ryan's talked about that many times, you know, in the early years of it, he's like, well, crap, I maybe on a normal day, I would just not decide to go do something, but well, I know I'm trying to make this TV show. So I just got to go out and do more. So for you, you know, how is the pu public side of things, or maybe even having a team now that, you know, is constantly around, uh, giving you that extra motivation? Well, the team gives me extra motivation because it's mouths to feed. You want to make sure yes. that they're, you know, they should be going after their own business. But in addition to that, you no, know, I am making sure that I'm helping them, you know, come up with, you know, find leads as well. And, and I'm providing them leads. And there's a lot of, I mean, listen, we're all in the lead generation business yep. and having a team. One of the reasons people are on teams is not only just for the infrastructure and the operations of the team, but it's because of the leads. Right. And so, um, like, like I said before, it's made me think differently about leads, about lead generation, about what it takes to get the leads. And then, um, and, and what it takes to maintain the relationships with the, with our most important clients. Um, and then of course, there's so much more, that goes into as well, you know, all the behind the scenes to just continue to get business off of the business that you have. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say the team, yes, the team makes me do more because I want to make sure that they are growing and that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. I, I want to also be able to justify, you know, it's crazy. Like, it's like when they talk about how, you know, you can have a dinner for 10 people and you can have a dinner for 50 people and the prep is the same. Yeah. There's a point when you get a certain operations team in place where you go from 30 transactions to 80 transactions in a short time period. And as soon as you go past like 60 or 70, I'm pretty sure that you can go from 70 to 200 and it, you need the same team. You can right. hover under 80, hover under 70 with a certain team. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that's when you need to start. That's when the wheels start falling off when you, so, and that's the same with me. I, I, I like want another hire to yeah. support, to get us, you know, cause we're at like, I think we're going to be at 50 transactions soon. I would say like, you know, for the year, then as soon as you get to that 80, 90, then we get to justify that next hire that will support my ops person. And and, the, and I want that, you know, I want that yeah. for her. I want that for me. I want that for everybody. Um, oh. And so that's the other, that's where the other pressure comes from because I see also the infrastructure and how it should be, but I'm also right. prudent because like how many salaries can you pay? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Now, from a standpoint of being just a female rock star in a historically male dominated industry, right? I mean, let's just call it what it is. You know, talk a little bit about that. I think, you know, oftentimes it's easy for us to derive confidence when we've seen someone that we connect with do it. And that doesn't always have to be your same gender, your same race, but oftentimes it does help if you're like, wow, I see someone like that do it. What, has there been anyone in your life that, you know, from, you know, a mentor standpoint really helped you get there. And then today, you know, how cool is it that you, you know, whether it's people from a social media standpoint and TV's point standpoint, seeing you, but you're now a mentor to many others that are, you know, getting started in the business. I would say, I mean, I have some women who I look up to yeah. tremendously, you know, in this, you know, that I think 
are incredible women in real estate. You know, my world in real estate always involved more women than men in the first place, just because the fact that residential does tend to have a lot of women in it, um, yeah. just because it's, but now, um, you know, I find that for me, being a role model is one of the most important, like crusades that I have outside of being a real estate agent, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons I do so many of these you know, for whatever it is from the podcast to the appearances. And, and I just did a, uh, like a, a keynote speech last week. All that stuff is just super important to me. Um, and, and I think that that's because I'm, I'm hoping that that's, that I become a role model for other women because yeah, it's, I didn't have a ton of clarity around the role models that I had uh, of women growing up because the fact that it was like, I don't know. There wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody like me doing what I'm doing right now yeah. that I could look up to. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm doing it right. It just means I'm doing it in a way that like, I think that there are women out there that would be like, Hey, I, I'd like to do what she's doing. Like she's doing it. Yeah. So for you today, I mean, you are balancing a gazillion and one things, but something that is consistent for you is the morning routine. So talk a little bit about what the morning routine is and why that's so important to you. What is most important about my morning routine is that I spend time with myself before the day starts. Yes. And I realized that probably five or six years ago that that was going to be really, really important to me. And then my meditation, um, I added that on in 2017, I want to say, um, starting to do, starting to figure out, or no, probably actually, no, actually, I think it was 2019. Then I started it in the beginning of 2019. And um. And, and that was because I was having neck problems and my chiropractor told me that I needed to figure out a way to like lower my stress hormones. And he suggested mm. meditation. So I use the Ziva technique, which I think is great by Emily Fletcher, but that has been really, really special for me is taking that extra time. The thing that I've realized though, is I do still need this exercise component. And I've had, mo I've had times like even now where I'm in the office more than I was before. Yeah. And I'm finding that, that, that I need to also prioritize the exercise even more than I did before. Yeah, absolutely. So with the, uh, the morning routine, I know you said, Hey, it's solo time. It's a breathing, breathing routine and then uh, some meditation. So, you know, is it the same amount of time every day? Is it just, Hey, I know I at least need some time. How, how do you position that in your morning? Um, well, I mean, like how much time do I, do I yeah. take or yeah. yeah. So I get up at, 5.15. Um, and then I like rip myself out of bed, most likely. Sometimes I look at my phone for a minute, make sure I didn't miss anything. And then I go sit and I meditate for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then I get myself ready for, for, for exercise. Unless I've like, a lot of the time I try to get myself ready before I meditate. So I'm already in my exercise clothes. Yeah. As I find that like all those difficult things that you need to do, you just need to do them yeah. all at the same time. Yep. And then I usually exercise between six and 7 a.m. There are some days when I get in front of my computer early and I work on head down stuff. You know, sometimes I need to do comps for something or I need to write an email. Um, you know, I'm, I find that that hour of time early in the morning, some days a week, it can be super, super important. So I'm even trying to think about like switching to maybe doing exercise later in the day, a couple of days a week, because of the fact that like that morning time is so special. And now, yeah. especially since my days are so crazy, this idea of getting up in the morning and getting ahead of certain things, I need to probably start figuring out how to do more of that. Yeah. So as you're juggling being a wife, 
being a mom, being a rock star real estate agent, being on TV. Uh, I mean, those are a lot of things. Any one of them is all consuming, let alone all of them. And I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the idea of balance, meaning equal. And I've always defined balancing time as when I'm doing this, I'm present here. You know, if I'm, if I'm spending an hour with Kirsten, I'm not on my phone, texting, checking emails. Like I'm just giving you an hour. I would love to give you four hours, but given everything that I have going on in my world, that's probably just not realistic. So for you, how do you do the, you know, work-life balancing act uh, for all the different things you have going on? It, it's a lot of calendaring. Yeah. First of all. Um, and then it's also, like you said, being present when I'm present. Yep. And then I'm working on trying to find things I connect with, with my kids before yeah. I just used to focus on being present. Now my daughter's really into Harry Potter. So we're reading Harry Potter together. My other daughter, you know, she's really into bunnies and, um, part of it's just about spending time. She's more physical. So it's just like sitting with her, yep. you know, having her sit on my lap or read a book or something like that. Um, and then with my son, same kind of thing, trying to find something to connect with him about. That's, that's really what it comes down to now as they get older, they're four, six and eight. And it's just like, how do I make sure that I'm connecting with them? Yes, absolutely. Well, Kirsten, for you, um, kind of last, you know, area would be talk to the people listening. Hey, they, they, they're feeling kind of like you were, where, you know, I feel like I've plateaued in my business, but I want to go to the next level. You know, maybe it's, the yeah. type of client I'm working with just isn't the people I'd want to be working with, or my business has been doing well, but we're not having that next partnership. So just talk a little bit about going to the right. next level and what it takes uh, to do that. Well, one of the most important pieces, I think for most people who need to, who are ready to take it to the next level is they need to make um, a commitment and they need to take massive action. So um, I would say if you're in a point that you are plateauing, most likely it's because of the way that your infrastructure is set up. Mm. Um, you know, and the infrastructure can be both the way you're handling your lead generation. And then the other part is how your operations of your business is being run. So for me, I would say, um, it was hand in hand, you know, it was that I felt like I didn't have operations because I was a team member and the team wasn't providing those. So I needed to create some operations for myself so that I was able yeah. to leverage my time, somebody who's willing to do administrative work, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and then I need to take massive action. And for, from the lead generation perspective, you know, that meant being in front of my sphere even more, which mm-hmm. involved social media as well, yeah. which I think, you know, is a big way to get in front of your sphere of influence. And then it was doing more calls, being with more people, spending time out with, with clients. And then the momentum of all that creating more business. Absolutely. Well, Kirsten, is there any pivotal moments that you that just stick out in your mind that you're like, I want to make sure we highlight this because it's been so, you know, vital in my career and where I've wound up to today? I mean, moving to Douglas Elliman was a really pivotal moment for me, just because being at the right firm for what you need is, is really, really important. Um, And so, and, and they've been really supportive. Um, And then I would say that, that being cast on the show for me was, was really pivotal for my business because I did, it did give me different kind of confidence. You know, the show might not have, you know, it's brought me other business and there's other things that come from it, but I would say that pales in comparison to what the confidence shift and the, and the mindset shift that I got from the show and how that affected my, you know, affected my life. Absolutely. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for being on today and just sharing the pivotal moments in your story and a lot of great wisdom. Um, I'm super excited to just continue to watch what you're doing and what everything that's going to come after this. And you just got to promise me that whether it's two years from now, six months, three years, as you have more amazing things going on and more pivotal moments, we can hop on and do this again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for having me on. And um, yeah, you can all follow me on Instagram at Kirsten.Jordan. And my website is KirstenJordan.com, where I have my blog. There's you can links to YouTube. You can find my TikTok through there, too, and, and all the other stuff that we're putting out there. Perfect. And we will add those in the show notes. So Kirsten, Great. thanks again. Thank you.